Hey, Gilbert. Hey, Kristen. How's it going? Good. How are you? I can't complain. Enjoying life. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Roxanne's Corner. Um, I greatly appreciate the time that you are taking to talk to us about trauma. Um, We've been trying to record this podcast about three times now, and it just hasn't worked out. But today's it, right? It definitely is. I will, let me say thank you for um, granting this time to be able to uh, uh, speak to you and your audience. Absolutely. Now, audience, let me just tell you a little bit about um, Gilbert. I'm going to tell you my version of the story, and then he is going to tell you his version of the story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and this is not traumatic or anything. This is, this is all good stuff. So... Um, I met Gilbert online years ago, um, back in my little, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. But anyway, um, but we became really, really good friends. And this was probably about, I'm going to say nine years ago, um, but I can't count according to Gilbert. So, um we've had a really really great uh friendship and i've learned a lot from him and hopefully he's learned a lot from me um and we've experienced life together life's ups and downs and he has been um just a great resource to bounce things off of and and to learn from so hopefully by hearing his story you will take something away and you will learn a little bit more about trauma and how to overcome and how to overcome it. So, Gilbert, tell our audience about yourself. Oh, well, damn. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, gosh, let's see. I'm living in the DMV area, um, Virginia. Uh, be growing up here, ah, you know, my pops is in the military, so we traveled around a lot, and then we settled here in 1991, going into 92. Um, I went away to college to um, TSU, the real TSU, um, Tennessee State Tigers, go Tigers, and I moved. Then after graduating college, I'm going. I came back home. For I was home for about maybe six months. Then I ended up getting a job with this company that allowed me to um, travel the U.S. And that was quite a great experience. You know, I did it for like seven, seven and a half years. And then my seven and a half years was abruptly erupted. Right, I was sort of getting to the point that I was tired of the travel or just more so with the job but not the travel just most of the job and i just remember being in santa monica california you know you don't let me take that back right so here it is 2014 mm-hmm. i end up coming home for a job interview um with this one government agency um and just so happened my grandmother had passed but as this job interview was taking place i had to fly out right afterwards and during this time a really bad snowstorm had hit and I wasn't able to go to my grandmother's house 
my brother's to my grandmother's funeral sorry and then, then my brother's like nah it's gonna be all right we're gonna be able to make it we're gonna be able to make it and um as i'm traveling home from back from the interview i'm looking at the sky the skies is gray gloomy you could just smell or feel the snow that's about to come right i get this first phone call after my brother um your flight may be delayed it's like Laid, I could deal with that. Then I'm about I'm about a little bit closer to home, and it says your flight has been delayed a little bit longer. I was like, All right, we still got time, right? Next thing, I get another phone call. It says your your flight has been canceled due to severe weather camp, um, severe weather camp, um, gosh, conditions. So now my brother and I are sitting in this house, and we're like, gosh, man. One, we ain't got no food in the house. <laughs> um, the snow was coming bad, you know, because they'd already predicted that it was going to be like a serious snowstorm at this time. So my brother, he says, well, look, man, we, we'll be all right. Um, pops and moms, you're going to call us. That's where everything going. Just keep us updated with, you know, funeral and arrangements and everything. But it's nothing like saying your final goodbyes to your grandmother. Right. right. Now, this grandmother of mine, the reason why I was hurt so bad is because when I was in college, my I would go down because my grandmother lived in Murfreesboro and I was in Nashville, Tennessee. So that's anywhere from between a 30 to 45 minute drive if you drive, right? Mm-hmm. But many of my years of college, I didn't drive. I, I used to take the good trusty um, Greyhound. God, it was great. It just seemed to take forever, you know, because it just seemed like it was a two hour, three hour bus ride to a place that was only 30, 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. So I would, you know, go down to my grandmother's house when one, I got homesick, wanted some food, or I, I didn't have no money to do my own laundry, you know. So she'd buy my bus ticket to come down and see it. So I'm staying for the weekend. And I remember just, she made me something to eat, and I'd take it back to, um, to the dorms with me. And then I'd be sitting up, you know, middle of the night watching the mirror cats or the animal planet with <laughs> eating cheese and crackers. You know? So those were memories that just really stuck with me about her. So that's why this final goodbye was so heartbreaking to me, you know, because I couldn't make it to see her. Mm-hmm. So now my brother's saying, well, man, look, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I'm, I'm like, ah, right, yeah, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. But in my heart, it was cracking. You know, you ever just had, um, like, some chips and you just started crumbling? Mm-hmm. That's how my heart felt during that time, you know, when I got that phone call that said it's canceled. And then my brother said, we're going to be all right. And I was like, damn, we're not, man. We're not. Mm-hmm. But way, he was like, man, look, let's just go get something to eat. I was like, you know what, you're right. I have eaten all day anyway, so it's, it's it's time to get something to eat. I was like, man, let's just go to, you know, go to the grocery store, the food line, just around the corner from us. And so we in the food line, we we, we got this cart, you know, so we, we're, we're, we're prepared for the worst. So we going through, we got cereal, we getting milk, green beans, pork chops, and, um, <laughs> Just real random stuff. That's right? really random for a snow event. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, my brother and I, we like to cook. And during this time, I was, I was real, I was real heavy set guy. Mm-hmm. So I was really into just eating and cooking, right? And then so 
I was like, damn, Jay, uh, we gonna need something else. When you know, he was like, damn, we're gonna need we're gonna need some potatoes to go with. I was like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> so what we get over there, there's no potatoes, right? Crazy. No potatoes, no water, no bread. Because everybody had to make French toast. I mean, you didn't know. Pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Captain Kirk French toast. You gotta make that. It's essential. <laughs> and um my brother's like, damn, they don't have no potatoes. I was like, what about the mini? He said, some what? I said, yeah, the answer. He said, man, come on, man. You got to do the right thing. Then he just get this brilliant idea, right? He was like, man, this is really not going to snow like that. This is just propaganda. I'm like, Jay, you didn't see that sky? You you didn't smell and feel that that air was feel like some snow about to come? Just propaganda. Hmm. All right, well, what's, what's your idea that you propose that we do? Man, how about we just go to Popeye's? We just get something to eat, and we can be good. We we can always come out later on tomorrow. I had that feeling like this this isn't going to be the best idea. Right? So, I was like, you know what? Let's do so it. So tell mm-hmm. the audience. Okay, so what's the age difference between you and Jay? Okay, so Jay and I, we like two years and maybe a few months, but we're really really close you know we were, were that's my best friend my like my best my best best but friend. you're the oldest yeah i'm the oldest but i don't look the oldest i'm shorter than him too right okay so when people when we go out and they see they be like so what, what you got going for your younger brother, my brother like one year we went out for my birthday right and um Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. It's, it's okay. Just, Go ahead and tell the story. <laughs> yeah, you can see how all this incorporates what I'm saying. That we're like best friends. So we go out for some wings one year on my birthday. And then my brother and his man, they clowning, right? Because they're saying, like, man, you don't even look your age. And I'm like, man, I look my age. I feel my age and everything, right? So he said, like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to see. I'm going to show you what other people think about you. I was like, come on. All right, let's do it. And he said, I bet you $20. I was like, you know what? Up the bet. Bet bet 100 He was like, bet. We can do this. <laughs> so he said, what? And the way right walk by, right? She said, how old do you think he is? She, was, she looked at me. I looked at her. Uh, uh, about 23? He's like, okay, thank you. So another waitress walked by. He asked that again. And she said, well, 25. Then our waiter comes by. Our waiter. But these were all the two random waiters that walked by. And he said, look, this is the third one, Gil. You're going to see. She said, about, about 23, 24. And then she said, you hold up. My, my my other friends, they was telling me you kept asking them, so I'm gonna bring them over. So they all came over. <laughs> and he said, so How old do you? So you, he said, I'm gonna tell you how old he really is. And at this time, I think I was like maybe 36. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, You know, he's 36 years old. One chick holla, I saw your ass look like Benjamin Button. <laughs> I, I, I said, Oh, you got jokes today, right? <laughs> So reluctantly, reluctantly, I had to give up my own birthday money because I lost the bet, thinking that I looked my age, right? So, you know, we do random clown stuff like that. And um, yeah, this is my best friend. 
really meant much. The best and so the reason cool. I brought that up is because mm-hmm. you let him punk you to go to Popeyes instead of doing the right thing and going to the grocery store. But see, I, it's like this, right? We 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 play off each other, like we we bounce ideas, and it may sound good at the time because I was like, man, just get right, just, just get some instant potatoes. We can be mm-hmm. done. With it. It's like, come on, yeah, we we're gonna make homemade but pork chops and green beans. No, we're not gonna do that, man. Come on, let's just. We don't have potatoes. I don't. We don't feel like driving to another store. Let's just let's just get some chicken, and we can be done with it. I'm just like, man, you know what he right. Because what good is having homemade food if you're going to substitute like mashed potatoes? You know you cannot substitute some good-ass homemade mashed potatoes for some instant mashed potatoes, right? I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. So I... Therefore, go, that, go I'm, ahead. That random moment of taking, just saying, hey, look, why not, not do pork chops? Let's just do something else, you mm-hmm. know? But I had a better judgment. But like I said, you know, my heart was yes, broken. Yeah, so yeah. I really wasn't in it. That's, that's where I was so. going with that. You know, when you go through a traumatic experience, our decision making isn't quite the smartest. Exactly. Okay. I, I totally agree. Okay. So that, that's why I gave you that story. Mm-hmm. I, and I appreciate you for really clarifying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting because while you were speaking, um, I pulled up the definition of trauma and the definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So during that time, your grandmother passes, you can't travel to the service. You're stuck mm-hmm. at home in snow and you're about mm-hmm. to eat a meal that you really don't want. Exactly. So exactly. all of these things led to a bad decision, not a bad decision, but not a a wise decision that you would typically make during during a snowstorm. Exactly. Okay. Mm. Um. So it and and and, and the, the bad decision gets even worse. Mm-hmm. Right? So like I said, my brother and I we were really heavy set guys at this time. So he was like, man, look, we're going to go to Popeye's. We get the food. So he's like, man, look, we're just going to get a two-piece. I mean, we're going to get an eight-piece. I think like four biscuits and two or three sides. Yeah, like three sides. So we get home. We knock it out. Maybe like two pieces left. Um, No sides. You know them dry-ass biscuits from Popeye's. This is like two of those. But guys. listen, those biscuits... Okay, they, they they can be they they are good. No, no, I'm not taking nothing from them, but you got to make sure you have some some lubricant <laughs> or something to wash that down. I'm not lubricant. If, <laughs> yes. <laughs> One, you gotta make sure your 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 throat is already moisturized <laughs> or the easy ride down, and then something to actually push push it all the way down like crunchy, you know? You need okay. something. <laughs> so yeah, two biscuits left. Go ahead. <laughs> Biscuits lap, you know. I, I don't think my throat could have handled that, you know. I was like, good, it's getting a little much, right? <laughs> so now, you know, that's all that's left, right? So then we sit in the house, we we having to go to sleep, and wouldn't you know we woke up 
and you, and the snows come down so hard that it sounds like rain. I was like, oh damn, it's raining. They canceled everything because it's rain. My brother said, see, I told you it was never propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. You know, I'm I'm with this. So then I'm looking out the window. I'm like, Jay, that that that's that's not rain. <laughs> oh, that's snow. And it, at the time, we went to sleep for maybe about an hour, two hours. It was already at this time at least like a foot. So I was like, damn, Jay. And I'm looking at him. He's looking at me with this weird ass look because he know what I'm about to say mm-hmm. to him, right? I said, so we stuck in this house because it's propaganda. Mm-hmm. Chicken between us <laughs> and two dry ass I'm sorry. And it's look, really not funny, like, but... It, it, it is funny thinking about it now. At the time, I'm in my head like, yo, I really allowed you to trick me out of my position, mm. man. But once again, like I said, I was in a different headspace, mm-hmm. right? So that's one story, right? Then going in, here it is, 2015, the very next year. Um, Little less than a year from my grandmother passing. My father passed. Mm-hmm. At this time, I'm in Santa Monica, um, California, right? And I just remember that day, I went to get my vehicle, an uh, oil change, and um, I'm sitting in the shop, but I'm just extremely tired. I'm just super mm-hmm. tired. Don't know the reason why I'm tired, but I'm extremely tired. Excuse me. So I end up going back to my room, falling asleep. Now, here it was. It's like two, three in the afternoon. It's sunny as I don't know what outside. The people, it's a perfect day. I mean, a beautiful day. And I just wanted to go back to my room and just mm-hmm. sleep. I end up sleeping from like two to about nine, ten o'clock. Right? I'm like, damn, I'm, I really must have been tired. But I was still tired as mm-hmm. I woke up. And then I woke up because my phone kept ringing. I was like, okay. So it was my mother. She called me. She's like, hey, look, I keep getting this phone call from this random ass mm-hmm. number. Right? I'm, all right. So she's having to call my brother. And she's telling him too. And then my brother and I, as we're talking, like, man, my, just, it's just idiot. You know, you know how spam callers be. They just do random stuff. Now, here it is in the summertime, August 29th, right? Summertime. And um, the number happens to call while we're on the line with my mother. And we was like, just go ahead and answer, see what it is, you know, because what number's calling mm-hmm. you all day, not leaving a message. And then they're calling you again this late at night, see what it is. She said, all right, but look, just hold on. She, she's, she's on the other side, on the other line for a long time. Then next thing I know, she clicks back over, she doesn't say anything. You just hear her. Sniffling. Mm-hmm. What? The hell was this? You know what kind of call was that? So, what is it, man? What is it? The father. It was a detective that called me about your father. I was mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, tell. Nah. What? 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 What is it? She just bust out crying. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my heart. Literally, my heart stopped, right? And I'm like, nah, my father ain't mm-hmm. dead, nah. 
he's like he died in Ocean City, you know. Um, and during this time, 2015, there was a lot of deaths in Ocean City. Um, a lot of people having been drowning due to the mm. undercurrent. Watch people out, and some of them haven't returned back, you know. So that's like even scarier part, knowing that a family member has vanished mm-hmm. in thin air, right? Or just being murdered and the case is cold or you never hear from mm-hmm. the person again. So she said the detective told her that he was drugged out by the current, but he was brought back. I was like, okay, so then they said the lifeguard gave him uh, resuscitating back to life, but they just put him in the ambulance and he died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital um, of a heart attack, right? So I was like, damn, heart attack. And then like years and years, you know, my father he was always a strong swimmer, but I knew my father had other health issues, you know, but he never told us, but I'm pretty sure um, one of those contributing factors was due to a weak heart. But I always told myself, well, some of my father was um, uh-huh. a mother's boy, you know, real big mother's boy. And when he went to see my his grandmother, his mother passed, I think that's what mm-hmm. broke his heart. And I really do feel like my father really just died of a broken heart. I always remember my father never really being the same after his mother mm-hmm. died. So now here it is. I instantly book a ticket and I fly back home because, you know, here it is. Hear my mother cry like this, my brother crying like this. And I'm for some odd reason, I can't cry myself, but I just remember I got to get out of this room. I got to get out of this room. So I ended up walking, and it was this clear summer night. The moon is shining bright, and I remember just walking. But it was this guy on the street because at this time, um, I think it must have been like midnight at this time, right? And, um, this guy walks by me, but I can just see his eyes bright, bright as the moon, but his face is dark. And I'm looking at him, and he looks at me, and we had like this slow moment of gazing each other's eyes, and then he walks off. But I always thought there was something weird about seeing that. And I'm walking and I'm walking, but I just can't get this guy's eyes out of my head, you know, as I'm seeing it. And then I go back to my room, I get my ticket, and I leave out. I fly home. But my father was always taking my mother back and forth to the hospital because she had um, medical issues that, you know, she could no longer drive. So she relied on somebody to take her everywhere, um, anywhere just to the hospital, to the stores, anything. Or she called cabs. Um, so now I'm at home. We go through the funeral. Um... You know, my, my my father, he wasn't a church goer like that, but he did go to church his final mm-hmm. years of life. And um, so I said, well, look, my, I just remember him going to this church because I went with him a couple of times. So we go to the church and we said, hey, look, my father went here and we want to know if you can happen to do the service. The lady says, hold on, let me check something, right? She's, she pushes her glasses up on her nose. She begins to click, 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 you know. So I'm looking at her. And uh, my, my mother and my brother, they're sitting down and I'm standing up and I'm just looking. And she was like, well, 
we can't do your father's funeral. I'm like, okay, maybe they booked up. It was like, so is there another day you do it? It's not the day. I was like, so what 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 seems to be the problem? Your father, you know, your father went here. He wasn't mm-hmm. a, a member. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, a member? What you mean, a member? I mean, like, a paying member. You know, like, what the fuck? This is a club mm-hmm. or this is a mm-hmm. church? That come out my mouth and and like this lady looking at me with this stern look. That's what I'm saying to myself, like, so you mean to tell me a person has to be a paying member for you to do a person's service at a church that you seen his name was in your system? And she said, yes, we 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 only do services for our member. And at this point, right, my eyes began to burn, turn red, and I could feel myself. About to come over this woman's desk mm-hmm. and cuss her out, right? So I think my mother seen that. She grabbed me up and she swooped me out of the out of the um, office, right? And she she begins to say, "Hey, look, we we, we no, sorry, we, we're not going to do." It. So we was like, "Well, we're going to go now, right?" So we ended up found another church. I remember we went to this one church a long, long time ago. And um, so they did the service. So that was another heartbreak, you know, like, come on now, the church not even gonna do something for them? I mean, damn, mm-hmm. that's that's just crazy to me, right? So now here it is, we, we going on and um, go to my father's funeral. I just remember never crying at my father's funeral, which is mm-hmm. super odd, you know, but I feel as though my father taught us everything he could teach us as men growing up. So it wasn't a bad feeling of my father loss. It was just that, damn, I had so many questions that I could ask, but I can't ask, or I need clarification on certain things that you have said to me or taught me in the past that as a young man, I don't have full understanding of it as a much older man now. So that always bothered me. And um, so now here it is. My mother's appointments are coming up like, hey, look, can you take me here? Right. My mother had seizures in the past. Um, Because I remember she passed out in the parking lot. They said she had a grandma seizure. I was like, mm-hmm. damn, how you have that? You know? And then, so now here it is. We're going back and forth to the doctor because they're saying she's having seizures in her sleep i'm like in your sleep what and um so many tests are revealed that she's having bunches or multiple seizures and i'm like so what is bunches define this number or give me a number when you say bunches he's like i can't because it's just that many i mean that many he was like yeah because there's no, you know, because one minute there may be five within like a two minute span that she had two, had five seizures within mm-hmm. this short period of time. But you think about a six hour um, span of sleep, you know, so she's having multiple seizures during this time. And I remember just saying, so we got to figure out what's going on because, you know, we just don't know because it may be one day that she'll wake up mm-hmm. and she's dead. Now, already, like, uh, you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. losing another parent. You know, I, I, 
we 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 need to get to the bottom. So, but right? so before you go um, into trying research your mom's seizures, what was it like mm-hmm. for you to transition from experiencing trauma with your dad's sudden passing to trying to mm-hmm. deal with services? with a non with an uncompassionate church which can which is a whole other topic that can cause trauma Mm -hmm. to now trying Mm -hmm. to figure out another traumatic experience with your mom as in consistent seizures how was what was that transition like did you go for counseling did you take time off like how do you deal with that because it's as as a people we don't take care of ourselves so how did you take care of yourself Mm -hmm. mentally (laughs) um i did i did um and it's crazy right so i end up quitting my job right because it gave me um, FMLA and, and time to mourn for my father. And I remember um, going, they called me up like, hey, look, Gil, um, can you come back to work? I'm looking, I'm like, this is two days after Thanksgiving. And they said, can you come back to work? And I'm already in my soul boiling, like, Alright, I come back in. I came back in. They was like, hey, look, you can be back home before Christmas. And um have some Christmas money. And um you, you can spend time with the family. Now, previous years, they would just say, Hey, look, just take the rest of the year off and come back at the beginning of next year. So I got all this bubbled up stress. One from my grandmother, my father passing, um the church. Um, my mother's uh, my mother's seizures and everything getting worse, and I just remember feeling like I don't I didn't have no feeling at this time I truly didn't, and um, I remember going into the work and I'm talking to my um, my supervisor and I was like I right, I go right because they had everybody in California then they moved them all out of California then now you want me to go back to California. But there's a guy who's from California says he doesn't mind going there, but you want him to stay in Florida, but you want me to go to California. And I'm boiling. I'm, I'm confused. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm sad. I'm like, oh, what, what is going on? What kind of games are you playing here? Right. And then so I was like, All right, I go, I do. It. But I'm saying like, I don't, I'm not saying it with like conviction. I'm just saying it because I'm going through the motions like, OK. I'll do it. That's and that's pretty much mm-hmm. how the tone of my voice was, you know. And then I remember walking out out the front door of the, uh, of the office, and then my soul said, "Don't do it. Just don't do it." Because right? my brother, he's he still has to go to work. He has to maintain his lifestyle, you know. And I'm pretty sure he's mm-hmm. still mourning, you know, too. So I was like, you know, I can't put that extra burden on him while I'm out living my life. And it's difficult for him. So I need, I need to help ease the burden at home. I haven't been at home mm. almost seven and a half years, you know. So everything relied on my brother to do. 
or you know when my father wasn't there my brother picked up a lot and my brother you know helped out my father too so i was like nah, i can't i just can't leave one my soul's not allowing me to do this so i went back in and i told him i quit you know i'm sorry for playing games with you mm-hmm. but i quit I, I just can't do this and at that moment i within at that moment, after almost a year's time, I felt, I mean, within a matter of months, that was the first time I mm-hmm. felt like some ease, some pressure was lifted off my soul. So now I'm going back home and my mother said, well, I got this up. I mean, you know, we got to go to the doctor for this thing. So me having to make those transitions, it was no transition. Everything just flowed right into one event after another, after another. And during that time, I noticed um, I lashed out. I um, I gained weight. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't calling people. I wasn't going out. I mm. just wanted to be by myself. I never had a mm-hmm. chance to truly mourn uh, for anything. You know? I was always around somebody. I was doing something. And I think there was like the pressure just building up. I'm, I'm not realizing this is stress or this kind of pressure that's building up on me. I just going with the motions, taking care and doing what I have to do. Right? Because you think as a man, here it is. I'm the oldest and my mother's in need of mm-hmm. help at this moment. Right. I can't cry because then I think that I'm showing weakness or I'm not being strong enough to support her, right? So I think by that and me not really getting time to myself, um, put a lot mm. of pressure on my pipes. And then so now here it is. We're going on next year. I said, well, you know what? Now's the perfect time. I can find me some kind of mm-hmm. outlet during this time, right? I, I went back to school try to gain, try to get my um, another degree. So it, it seems to be working. It gives me the outlet from being away from home and I'm seeing other people during this time. So I'll, you know, every once in a while it'll pop back up that I'm having to, you know, deal with my mother and her, her operation, her procedures. And then now here it is almost 2017 at this time. I said, so, well, look, your mother has to have operation where you know um excuse me she had had a brain operation i was like damn this is like the second brain operation that she has to have you know the first one she had in 2003 so here it is another one 2017 i was like Damn, man. Because I, I remember coming home for her first one. She's laying on in the bed out of her head all wrapped up to live mm. your life. And I always took that, you know, like, man, I got to be doing something. If it's, I can't just sit still. I got to be mm-hmm. moving and grooving and seeing something because you just never know. So that's why I think I was always, couldn't really sit still um, after my father passed and take care of my mother. So her operation goes through. I end up spending the night, several nights at the hospital with her. And I just remember finding myself having a tear drop 
you know, just like, damn, man, this could be that very mm-hmm. moment that my mother mm-hmm. just passed. I mean, fuck, I can't, I, can, I don't think I can go through with this, you know. My mother, mm-hmm. nah, man, I'm a mother's boy. But to have her pass too within maybe a time span of two years from my father and my grandmother, nah, man. Mm-hmm. I ain't built that for it tough, but. So now here it is. She makes it through and um, everything's going good, you know, but yet they still say they can't find reason why she's having these multiple seizures like this. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to figure this out. So I find myself endless nights up studying what's going on with seizures, how are seizures, cause, whatever, you know, anything I think of, I'm researching. And I'm losing sleep myself. So once again, more pressure is being added on me. Not to mention, I'm gaining more weight. And I think at this time, I'm about three, mm. 320, 330. I'm only like 5'10. And I think my average weight always been around about 220, but I've been pretty muscular and athletic mm-hmm. during these during those times, right? But it just seemed like stress really mm. just got the best of me. Um, so when I said I was a bigger guy when my brother and I went out to eat chicken, I think I was about maybe 270, 280. You know, that was that was pretty heavy for me at that time. And now here it goes. I go from 270, 280 to like 330 oh, wow. in a matter that's, of two years. Yeah. I mean yeah it, it is you know and and I just remember one day um, I happened to go use the bathroom and I pissed blood I'm like what the hell is this so I, I said man you know don't think nothing of it right um the very next day I'm pissing blood again but it's a lot more in my urine this time like you know what I, uh-huh. I gotta go to the hospital but uh-huh. I ain't tell nobody what was going on so I ended up just getting in the car like look I'll be back drove myself to the hospital then the doctor said I got to keep you this this cause I can't let you go out this hospital because I don't know if you may die I'm like what are you talking about and she tells me your blood pressure is at the point that you 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 may die. You you very well might die if you get in that car, cause a bad accident. So I think my blood pressure at the time was like two fifteen oh over two hundred. You know, but yeah, I was. But see, yeah. that was because all of this stress and me not taking care of myself has just built up, and I'm not realizing what mm-hmm. depression and stress is. And I'm just holding it all in mm-hmm. trying to be strong for somebody else um so they got me in the hospital and then i can just hear my phone just blowing up because here it is i've been in the house i'm in the house i went to the hospital around about one in the afternoon here it is almost four in the morning you know my mother she never checked on me but she she's been checking like yeah. oh I know something she Intuition. you know like a mother you know, female yes. got those instincts uh-huh. yeah she's just calling 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 so 
I was like, you know what? Hey, look, um, I don't have a charger. Can I borrow your charger? I talked, I said, um, a nurse that she gave me a charger. I called my mother and I told her I'm in the hospital. And the same tone that she had when she got the phone call from my father, she had that mm-hmm. with me when I talked to her, right? So my brother ended up bringing her to the hospital and you just see the terror in her eyes thinking like, damn, mm-hmm. I'm about to lose a son. I just lost my husband. Now I'm going to lose my son. So I ended up getting over, you know, changing, changing my lifestyle a little bit. Lost a little weight, began exercise. But yet, it, I didn't lose that much weight. I think I only lost but 10 pounds. But considering 10 pounds but is a lot. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It is. But it mm-hmm. seemed like it wasn't that much, you know, considering my condition where I was. Um, so now here it is. 2019, right? Um, the doctors, they're actually going in and they're going for my mother's third surgery, which is you have to cut her head open and place the um, electrodes on her actual brain and to see where the actual lack of spark connections in the brain is because if you ever think like your brain mm-hmm. is like electric circuit right and it's just going from one end to the boom 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 constant but with a seizure there's a blockage or it's a stop so just imagine you going and then all of a sudden the spark is can, cannot continue on the same path so that's what you would consider like mm-hmm. a um, a seizure right they figured out where it was and they went in and then they Place those electrodes. They had to be on her head for like two weeks, and they figured out where it was. The doctor came back in. So now here it is, going into her fourth surgery, right? Because they actually had to go in and open her skull up and cut that portion out. So that's like a fourth operation now. Um, the doctor said this likelihood have um increased her chances of not having as many seizures right right? which is good real good because the previous doctor um she just wants to we're going to send you over to nih and do sleep studies and real random shit you know she was just super timid i'm pretty sure she was smart in her class but she was super timid Mm -hmm. in regards to doing this me i'm super protective of my family right and I'm really in her face. Like, what do you mean you're going to do sleep studies? We already know the issue because there's several doctor's notes that's telling you what's going on. And you want to do some damn sleep studies? Again, <laughs> my mother had to take me out of the room because I'm really trying to mm-hmm. get to the bottom of this. And I'm getting mm-hmm. in this woman's, you know, getting in her. Right? She's looking at me and she, you can tell this woman wants to cry because here it is. She's thinking I'm doing the best that I can. And this person doesn't but think that this, I'm doing my is job. Is this reaction due to the trauma? And we're going to keep using that this word trauma because of what you have experienced mm-hmm. and possibly because you didn't have any control. So you're trying to control the situation as best as you can so you can feel like you, you did what you could do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as a man, you know, you feel like you want to protect 
and provide for mm-hmm. your woman or for the weak, right? And um, yeah, fear and fear. Yeah. It, it was mm-hmm. really fear by fear, you know. Um, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I can't lose another one. This 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 will really take me out, and then I'm pretty sure this will probably take my brother out. So therefore, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it right there, you know. Um. So I end up going outside, waiting in the lobby. And then what ended up happening is they end up taking that one doctor off because she was just fresh out of medical school. And I don't know why they put someone fresh out of medical school on such a complicated case. Or what at least what I perceive as a complicated case. You know, anything with your family or close to your heart, you consider that to be right, the most right. top priority in the world. Um, so they ended up putting up a, um, a more experienced doctor, and that's when he suggested we go through with the uh, those two procedures, those two surgeries that I previously spoke about. So now, my mother, she she's a lot better far as in her her strokes. She doesn't have too many. Um, she's doing a lot better, but now here it is. <laughs> Fast forward, um, she's retired now. And she's mm-hmm. having breast cancer. So, you know, I'm just, mm-hmm. man, what else is that, you know? Because um, during this time, I've been applying to jobs from, I would say, mm-hmm. I've actively was looking for jobs from 2007, no, 2017 up until, you know, present day. I would get jobs, I would get interviews. To only be like, now nah, we're gonna go with somebody else. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm overqualified for these jobs. I'm not saying overqualified, but I'm qualified. I meet every standard that you're looking for, right? I'm like, damn, I, what is it? I'm not getting. Um, so I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm not working, but yet I saved up a lot of money from when I was at my previous job, but. It's nothing like being able yeah. to provide for yourself. And at the same time, I'm, I've been so used to being on my own and traveling and moving and grooving that, you know, <laughs> now I'm feeling like a caged bird. That now yeah. I got to sit still mm. and I can't do nothing about it, right? Yeah, I, I would take random trips here and there, but I wanted to be out on my own, not having to worry about hey look I gotta get back for this or you know your, mm-hmm. your budget is getting low on this end you know and plus what kind of man doesn't feel like I need to be working because at this point you feel worthless you know that you're not working I mean it wasn't the fact that I wanted the money it was mm-hmm. the fact that I wanted mm-hmm. to be doing something right Absolutely. but my job Absolutely. was to take care of my yep. mother didn't realize that but that yeah. That was my job. Um, so now here it is. Um, present day, you know. Um, my mother saying, Hey, look, I'm just not finding out. I, I got breast cancer. I'm like, What? Breast cancer? <sighs> Something else. That's you know, and I and and I had literally said that tour with like this disgusted tone of my voice like breast cancer now it's to say like 
what are you doing? You know? And I'm pretty sure in her mind, she's thinking like, yo, I'm not doing this. This isn't me. I, right, I cannot right. be this bringing all this. This is not me just stuff. putting stuff in my body that I want to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And then I even thought that at one point in time, I said, I'm, I'm going to go to the doctor. <laughs> see, so she's playing the game. audacity, you know? the unmitigated goal so, to feel like your mother, you try to play tricks on me. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. How how dare you? With with my hand on my chest. But even before this, your your mom having this diagnosis, you yourself had gone through your own personal trauma in 2018. No, 2019, 2020, where you you were basically flat on your back and like okay i'm i'm pretty much about to be out of here too yeah okay so let me yeah so let me rewind it back so um here it is june no i'm sorry july uh 16 2019 right i just remember going out it was a really nice day i'm going out just picking up some things um enjoying the weather really nice weather so I go out, but I just remember coming back home. And I'm like, man, I gotta go to the gym. I just gotta go. I'm, at the time, I've been working out consistently at every day on my lunch break. At work. Y'all, he thought he was. I would Superman. walk two and a half, okay. three miles. He thought he was Superman. Um, I, <laughs> I did. I did. I was losing the weight. I was, you know, my hairline started coming back, and my head got smaller. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling myself now, right? Um. So I remember coming back in the office. One chick said, "Damn, you smell like the greater outdoors." I'm like, "I've been outside working out. You know what else am I supposed to smell like?" But she said, "But I see you doing your thing, and, and I'm I'm glad someone's around here trying to take care of, the, of their health, right?" And so I've been doing this consistently for like almost mm-hmm. four six four to six months, right? And I'm really noticing the difference. One in my um the way I'm feeling, the way I'm looking, everything. Overall, right? So now, July um, 16, 2019, like I said, I, I feel like I gotta go to the gym. I just, I guess I caught that runner's high and I need to be doing something. So I'm in the gym and I'm on the treadmill, right? And I would, um, one of my routines was I would start off walking on the treadmill about a three with the incline of two, just to warm up. Then I lower the incline and I'll start off, I'll run at like 5.5, do that for like a minute, go up to 6.5, do that for two minutes, come back down to like 5.5, do that for two minutes, and then jump right up to like 7.5, 8. And I'm doing a haul out sprint for like maybe two minutes. So now I'm doing this, but I just remember like, whoa, I stop stop the machine that's how it was I'm like stop instantly just stop so I stopped allowed the um treadmill um uh gosh what oh, yeah, the, 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 the little the rubber monitor. piece to um mm-hmm. the heart monitor and the actual tread right um tread to stop because then my feet is on either side I'm straddling it so I just remember feeling my whole right side just feeling really heavy and I'm like, all right, girl, you you know, it's time to let go of this rear. 
but I just remember something in my in my mind saying, "Don't fall, Gil. Don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall." She's looking. She's looking because it was this lady that I thought was quite attractive. She was working out in the machine, and we had been, you know, exchanging eyes at the time. And at this time, I, I, my left leg comes back on the side. I'm going to get off the treadmill. Right side still like, Ugh, should we go? You know how you, you're in a double dutch. You, you, you're hesitant, but you try to time right. That's how my right side is, but it's not timing anything because it just ain't no, 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 we're not going. So I end up, my right leg comes, then my right arm just drops to my side. Boom. And as my right arm hits the side, I'm falling too on this treadmill how I fell mm. on my butt but not face forward I don't know I do not know and I remember where the treadmill was it was right outside of the attendance um, the check in area right so the guy see me just ran over like you alright you alright I'm saying I'm alright I'm alright and I just remember the guy's face looking at me like what then another guy comes over and he said he having a stroke but I'm saying I'm all right. I'm all right. And the guy, he's looking. I can't understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in my mind, I sound like I'm all right. Ambulance come, pick me up. They're asking me, you know, doing the little check. Asked me to say my name, and I remember the um, the EMT saying he had a stroke. And I go to the hospital, and they check me and do all the tests. Now they got me in the ICU, right? I'm hooked up. They pump me with all this morphine, I guess, because they want me to rest um, to allow my brain to start the repair mode, right? So I just remember laying in this room for like two days. Um, I'm knocked out. You know, all I remember is um, nurses coming in, bathing me, but I'm knocked out because I'm pumping morphine and um, they said hey look um, you got any family members and I could, I don't know how I can formulate my words but I was able to talk enough for them to um, be able to call my mother right and um, they called her and she's talking to me and she's like you can hear them. You know, that's how she's sounding mm-hmm. on the phone because mm-hmm. the nurses already talked to her, but she's talking to me. You just hear her tone of the voice just crackling because she's trying to hold back mm-hmm. tears because one, she can't get to me. She's out of town. So she's getting the news that her son is down in the hospital for the second time and I'm helpless because I can't get to this individual. And I can't understand what he's saying. So she ended up coming, I think, later that day, very later that day or the next day. So she come. And I just remember my mother just crying. I mean, bawling, you know, because now it's like the second time she seen me in the hospital. But I'm worse off this time than I was the first time that she seen me in the hospital. Um, So I'm there. For like two weeks, my brother ended up coming back home. And um I just remember I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even 
lift my right hand and I'm right hand, right sided dominant, right? So now I'm gonna have to rely on using my left side of my body. Now, here it is. I'm having to use the bathroom. I'm relying on a total stranger to take me to the bathroom. One, Mm -hmm. to urinate or two, defecate, right? Mm -hmm. And I never wipe myself with my left hand. So I'm having to learn to clean myself or rely on at the time it was male nurses wiping me down right um <laughs> and i'm like no i can't have another man wipe uh-huh. me down i need to learn how to clean myself and it was a very messy learning process right because i didn't really clean myself properly and i still had to end up mm-hmm. having a man mm-hmm. come in and clean myself clean me so now my pride is crushed, right? A real humbling, terrifying moment. Um, as time going on, the male nurse, it was pretty cool. He understood what I was going through. He, you know, he would he would say, hey, look, man, don't, don't, don't be so hard on yourself, you know. It's just life. And I understand what you're mm-hmm. going through. Yeah, I'm sitting saying mm-hmm. myself, no, not me. You don't understand what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Just a few days ago, I was able to take care of myself. You know, I'm 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 a grown male and I don't need no help. <laughs> Humbled very, very, very quickly. Um, so now I was at that one hospital. They transferred me over to a more stable hospital. And um now I'm I went from a private room to a room that I had to um share with another man outside of the nurse's statement, right? Station. And I really couldn't sleep because I'm outside the nursing station. They kept my door open, and I'm in a room with another person. And so every day I would get up and I go with physical therapy, but I'm always tired because I didn't get much sleep the night before. And it's all just remembering the um, psychiatrist. She's because she said, "Well, I came, I came by your room the other day, and you were asleep, so I didn't want to wake you." <laughs> and so I'm saying, "Myself, well, what's so different about today versus yesterday? You can just." Um, so she woke me up. So we're talking. And she said, so how are you feeling? And I'm telling her, mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like I'm in jail. I don't, I'm, I'm, every emotion right now is going through me, right? And she's just looking at me with this blank stare, but she's not taking the time to bring out these emotions or gain a better understanding behind the words that I'm trying to convey to her, right so we go through this 30 minute conversation or more so of a dialogue me speaking to her and she's like oh okay and then mm. next thing I know the next day they put me on a new set of meds they tried to right they said no doctor said hey look we're gonna put you on Prozac right the, the selling point behind put me on Prozac was it would help move your right side better and I just remember like, nah, man, I, I don't, what I mean Prozac for, ain't nothing wrong with me, you know? I'm not, I'm not out of control. I'm not bugging. So I talked to my brother. He was like, man, if they say they're going to do something for you, you can make it better, just, just take it. Once again, I had that feeling in my stomach, like, nah, this ain't going to be right. But I was like, all right, cool. I'll just take it for the sake of trying to get better and hurry up and get out of this place, right? Once again, yeah. A bad decision, 
dealing with this trauma that I'm not in the clear mind, right? Um, so I was in the hospital for uh, about a month. Um, tr- um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech. And it's weird because I had this one speech therapist. It's crazy, right? Because she would talk mm-hmm. at me instead of to me, right? Like I'm slow or something. And she's like, now you need to do this. You should be doing that. I'm sitting there saying to myself, like, why are you talking to me in this very condescending manner? Because I'm not brain dead. I'm not dumb. I'm I'm just incapac- slightly incapacitated at this moment. So why are you talking to me in this manner? Her and I end up getting into it. And she furthermore pressed the issue that he's um very aggressive and hostile, right? So that was the reason why that was a whole nother reason why they put me on the damn Prozac because I was misunderstood. No one truly took the time out to understand my feelings, right? And then one, you're talking down to me as if I don't know, I cannot comprehend what's going on around me. Um, So I ended up taking that Prozac. Um, <laughs> Later on, as I come back to it, that's when I realized they only put me on it because they thought I was going to do something or lash out in a rational manner, right? Um, so I ended up getting out of the hospital, um, not needing speech therapy any longer. So that, that actually worked out. So they ended up putting me with another speech therapist, and he was really good. And he even just like, well, I don't even know why they even put you in there yeah. because yeah. my speech had began to improve during this time. But another part of me, me being a man, very prideful, excuse me, my manly parts wasn't getting up, right? So now I'm thinking because they said where the trauma happened on my brain as a possibility mm. that my and genitalia may not work. Man. <laughs> a prideful man. You know, I'm up here thinking, I don't have kids yet. You mean to tell me my man downstairs cannot get up any longer? And I and, and it's crazy, right? Because I even <laughs> tested this, right? I was like, you know, let me, so let you don't me have try to it out. Into that story. I'm in the hospital. On the hospital. <laughs> Trauma is all about. No, I got you because this is all a part of recovery from trauma. Got you. It's all about trauma and curiosity. So I'm in the hospital mm-hmm. because I said I'm going to prove these doctors wrong. Hospital. I said I got to see, man, because my, my little man downstairs not getting up, and I don't have kids yet. You telling me it's a possibility that I may not get back up to normal with this? No. So I log on the Wi-Fi, you know. And I try to turn on to the pool. I got five minutes in, nothing happened. I'm like, yo, how, how, how was this possible? And this so happened, the um, the 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 hospital's Wi-Fi blocked me. Said, you know, you've been unauthorized. You you are um, they are not authorized unauthorized site. You know, (laughs) 
but, but you see what I'm saying? So I'm I'm even more frustrated at this point in time because we was getting to that point that I thought I was gonna be able to prove them wrong, <laughs> but I got shut down. So that was another trauma, right? Something the hospital really thinking. I'm really going through it now because I one I, every time I gotta go to the bathroom, I have to call a nurse to come get me to take me to the break room to get out of the bed to just stretch my legs um, to use the bathroom I'm, I'm relying on somebody else to do something for me which I thought you know mm-hmm. a few weeks ago I was able to do this very simple thing myself uh, trauma you know just like I'm confused I'm angry I'm hurt all of the above right? but my mother my brother they happen to to come see me um, every other day. Now, I just remember this one day I broke down crying. And this was like the first time I cried in some years, right? Years. Um, I was I was starting to urinate on myself. I wasn't able to, to hold my own fork with my left hand. Like I said, I was right-handed dominant, but my left hand having to do all the work. And I never really ate my left hand, except only to hold the knife while I'm cutting um, a piece of meat or something, right? So now I cannot hold the spoon to just mm-hmm. sip some water. I mean, sip some soup or eat cereal. Every five minutes, my whole shirt is just dirty. I'm urinating on myself like three times. One, either the nurses wouldn't get there in time, or my urine bottle is filled up and I'm drinking more fluids and it's a lot more overflowing to me. I'm like, yo, I, I can't do this no more. You mean to tell me, <laughs> me, little old me, did not take care of myself any longer. No, no, no. So that was one moment right there, right? When my I had a hard to hard conversation with my brother. He was like, man, you, you can't be out here like this. This is just a moment that you had to sit down. I don't know for what reason that you had mm-hmm. to sit down, but you had to sit down. You was moving too much. And I think that this was a moment that I had to myself. The only moment that I could say I truly had to myself without feeling like I had to take care of somebody else or be somebody's protector mm-hmm. at some point in life, except my own protector, right? Then I'm thinking, mm-hmm. hell, I can't even protect or provide for myself now, right? Um, so that even further stressed me out about that. Right? I began to cry, crying on this phone. My brother was like, "Man, you gotta stay. You, you can't be crying. You gotta, you know, just take it as it comes. Just take one day at a time. That's all it is." So you know what? You're right. After that conversation, I think we talked for like maybe an hour that day. Um, I called the nurse, see if they could take me to the break room. I sat out there. Looked outside the window. Now, here it is. This is the summertime, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm supposed to be out in them streets because I've been working out. I'm looking good at this and time. And you had to run after the that summer girl that was, was looking, looking at really on good the treadmill. Right, right, right. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, right. So now... I'm in the and I'm just at this in the in the um, break room, stargazing out there, thinking like, why? What happened? You know? But it was just that compounded stress 
and me not truly taking time out to care for my own needs that did it to me right um so now I'm currently going through oh so I get into outpatient physical therapy physical and occupational therapy so I'm at this hospital and the physical therapist she's really good really trying to work with me and get me back to health you know back to walk um occupational therapist you you know how you just tell somebody mm-hmm. is real shysty like they really wanted to prolong this issue instead of her trying to help me get better and use my arm again she's trying to delay the process so that mm-hmm. the hospital can run up my bill for the insurance right um but luckily i had high blood pressure and I'm, all, I'm now at this point I'm catching on to her game you know like two months into the situation because my blood pressure be so high that they wouldn't work with me right and they said well your blood pressure is high and if you feel like you're going to do physical activity it's going to get even higher running the risk of you having another stroke and we can't have that I'm like I understand so I was doing so how they tricked the game they tricked the system was they would send me to occupational therapy first, right? And they would allow me to do mm-hmm. some phys- they, they, the therapy wouldn't be as strenuous as it should have been. So it was just enough to say, hey, look, he did some therapy that's charged insurance for the full time that he's here. I'm catching on to it like three months, two to three months. I'm like, no, no, we're not going to keep doing this. Send me to physical therapy first. And if physical therapy can't do me, I don't want to see nobody because you're not going to keep mm-hmm. charging me the copay and then you're going to charge my insurance. That's not going to work out this time. So here it is. And uh, that didn't work out. I mean, it worked out in my favor and um, ended up finding a new hospital, right? A new physical therapy to go to. But I'm in working to get my blood pressure under control because my blood pressure this time is just uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't eat nothing. I mean, nothing at all um, so I went to his nephrologist he sort of got my blood pressure under control but the medicine kept me in a very lethargic state that at this point I couldn't I mean I couldn't move I was I didn't want to go nowhere I was getting depressed again because I'm thinking about my situation my mother's situation mm-hmm. how I couldn't help her more than less help my own self right so I began to get real frail at this time um, my right arm basically is non-movable. Um, right leg non-movable. Then I just say, you know what? Let me just stop taking this medicine, right? They put me in a new set of meds that I wasn't on versus when I was in the hospital on the outpatient. I mean, inpatient therapy. So I noticed that when I didn't take that medicine, I wasn't in a lethargic state. So now I said, all right, cool. Let me start getting out. I can go to. The LA Fitness, they had a pool. You know, I can't truly work out, mm-hmm. but at least in the water and get me cardio and I can feel a little better. And I can begin, you know, yes, silver sneakers. So I'm in there with all the um, silver sneakers at this time, working out. <laughs> they all looking at me like, why aren't you working? You know, this is like 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. You should be somewhere working, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. But they happened to see that I had a little gimp to me, you know. So they was like, maybe something's up with it. 
never asked me, but you can tell that they see it. Um, that that ended up helping out a lot with um dealing with what I was really going through, you know, getting out of a funk and depression. And so exercise really helped during that time. Now here it is, COVID hits, boom, shuts everything down. So now, um, physical therapy, I began to try to find a physical therapist and said, well, we can't do nothing right now due to a lot of restrictions. <sighs> can't go to the pool. Oh, my God. So now I started to feel like I'm getting weak again. Um, so luckily, I ended up finding um, a physical therapist about maybe four months, four to five months later, and that's beginning to work out. I've been still going to them, so it's progressing. Um, seeing a lot of improvements. Um, now, like I said, we fast forward to um, 2021. Uh, I think we're looking at no, 2020. My mother found out she had breast cancer in uh, two weeks before Christmas. Huh. Before Christmas. Um, but they said they're going to start the actual um, chemo process around about first week of February. So we go for our first week and, you know, she's going through all of the symptoms. Alopecia kicks in, hair's coming out, nails begin to change, whole body's changing because, you know, the chemo's started to affect But my health is improving, so I'm able to a little bit better about myself and being able to take care of her um so that actually helps out a lot you know being able to exercise and have a moment of self-pride being able to mm-hmm. continue on I, be- I believe the mission that I was set out to do still haven't found a job but then began to understand a lot more things in life doesn't revolve around having a job having money but actually being around family and sitting down and taking care of yourself for number one because without yourself being taken care of how can you take care of somebody else who's in need yes that's why when you're on a plane they say throw your oxygen mask first that place on the next even though starting in 2014 to 2021 that in summary all of those traumatic experiences they have taught you that you have to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. first before you even take care of yourself because you won't know how to deal with traumatic experiences yes 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 and not only that but Check on your friends, you know. There was plenty of times that, you know, Chris and got on me because it was days I would go dark. You know, I just wouldn't talk. We wouldn't talk for maybe a month or two. Then all of a sudden I pop back with, hey, what's up? And she's looking at me like, where have you been? What's going on with you? I, you know, at the time, and I've been like this person. Mm-hmm. I'm always this person that I have to understand my own issues before I can try to talk to somebody else about what's going on with me because how can you articulate something to somebody who's a total yeah. stranger or somebody who may 
know you, but they don't know you. I'm going to tell you that I'm hungry if I don't know what hunger is. And I believe that's why parents, first-time parents, go through such a large learning curve because if you never dealt with a being, you know, not telling you, not being able to convey mm-hmm. to you that I'm hungry, I'm sold my pants, I love, but you're learning to adapt to their cries, the way they move, you know, but if that person themselves yeah. don't know how to convey that to you, it's hard to tell the next person that. And that's why Chris would get mad at me oftentimes because I would go into the shell and mm. just not speak to her because I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me. And then, we talk, and then she was like, <laughs> oh, okay. But don't do it again. Alright, whatever. Go down the road, I do it again. But you know, it's a new feeling that I have to go through myself and try to work it out before I can talk to you. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm not understanding this. Like I said, I didn't know what depression or stress was. I just knew I was just going through it. I knew this changes, physical changes in my body and, you know, um, some attitude or personality changes, but I never associated that with depression. Because what you often see in in movies, I would say older movies, right? Isn't a very good mm-hmm. depiction of what depression or stress is. You know, you just see a person who's walking around drinking, wanting to start a fight, but that's not everybody's um, issue. You know, no, nobody, not everybody comprehend, um, copes with that moan um, depression and stress in that manner. So that's that's what happened with me. I learned to deal with it. Um, but then it also caused me to go through some very serious issues for myself and put a strain on the friendship that, you know, that lasted for, has been a very blooming and very, uh, stress-free and, uh, very enjoyable friendship that, um, Kristen and I have had over the years. So she's definitely <laughs> helped me out a lot. Yeah. And during you know, the time that I allowed out. her to help. You know, one thing I want to want to say is, and this is on a serious note, Gil has taken us over, you know, over a span of years, but people deal, tend to deal with trauma <clears throat> for a lifetime without getting the help that they need. So what I want to tell listeners is that it's very important that you surround yourself with people who love and care about you and take advantage of a listening ear when you can or when you feel up to it you know people aren't asking you questions just to be nosy and if they are those those aren't the right people that you need in your circle you know march is mental health awareness month and it's very important especially these days because it's so much around us that we take care of our mental our mental state because we don't want to be around here just our our mental just cracking and you just never know what you're going to do to the next person or do to yourself you know so I just want to make sure that everyone knows that you know there are resources out there 
um, even if it's your best friend or if it's a doctor or something to help you through um, through your challenges. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Gil, as we close out, is there anything that you wanted to share? Uh, anything else you wanted to share with Roxanne's Corner? Um, I would like to say thank you for this um absolutely this outlet, and this you guys, you know, I'm sure that it was me to tell great my story. to hear a different voice other than myself. So you'll hear more from Gil. Like I said, he's one of my closest friends and we have a lot to talk about. We have some of the most random conversations and we have topics that, you know, we'll bring to you. So he's this is not going to be his only time on the podcast. So with all of that being said, thank you for listening. And you can always reach out to me at Roxanne's Corner on all platforms. That's R-O-X-A-N-N-E-S-K-O-R-N-E-R um, on Instagram, Facebook, and you can email me at Roxanne's Corner at gmail.com. So I will sign out by saying see you later.